Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed. Back for another week, y'all. How's it going? <laughs> it's going good. pretty good. Pretty good. It's fixing to be April. It is. It is. Almost Easter. Miss Southern Shell's birthday was this week. Did you have a good birthday? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of what? 29 years old? 43. 43. Man, that's a Richard Petty year. That's a good one. <laughs> is it? Okay, I'll take it. 43 is a good number. Getting up there. It's getting up there. Is it? Well, I'm just know to... that I'm five ahead of you. So is it four? I'm four ahead of you now. Yeah, yeah. I catch you. always you catch me in March. For a few months. Yeah. Tyler, you doing all right, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Still not on camera. Still don't have glasses that are what? Shape, but I'm getting. Hey, there. didn't uh, we had an optometrist reach out to you here locally, right? <laughs> all right, guys. So we had this guy from Collierville that listens to the podcast. Shout out to that guy. I don't remember his first name. I would go look at it, but uh, he reached out and said that we could trade him barbecue. Or we could trade him in-store credit, and he would give me glasses. And that's better than insurance. <laughs> I'm down. I think I, I got the look at yesterday. We were having one of our meetings, and I'm pretty sure everybody that works here wears glasses, maybe except for Mark. Mark and he not. needs them. Yeah. He can't see. Mikey doesn't. Mike, uh, yeah, Mikey doesn't, does he? Yeah. But all but two employees wears glasses. Like, and then and because the guy did go on to say he was like. Maybe we can get everybody set up, but I don't think he realized <laughs> how many people wear glasses. In the that's a lot. That's a lot of. Gla- that's a lot of meat I'd have to cook. I'd do that for y'all though. You've been wearing your glasses more. I have. I, mean, I wear contacts most of the time, but whenever the green stuff starts popping out of the trees, <laughs> the green, the trees start putting back on, pollen starts. My I get allergies, and my eyes go to watering and itching, and I, I just. I mean, I take Zyrtec, but it doesn't. You know, that stuff seems to fade out. So. Yeah. So I go See, to glasses. I try to give my eyes a break. I try to give them some relief. So I've been wearing my glasses a little more. And if you hadn't said something, I would. <laughs> I probably would have took them off if I'd have thought about it today. But <laughs> you can't think see about you're it. blind. Yeah, I'm. I, yeah, I got what they call the stigmatism. <laughs> <laughs> I got the eyeism. I just can't touch my eyes to wear contacts. Like I can't. Even. I don't know if it's like a fear of it or what. But oh, like, you get used to that. Mm-mm. I don't know if I would. My problem is I forget to take them out at night. I get so used to them being in, and then after two or three days, I mean, I've got the kind that you're supposed to be able to sleep in or whatever. Of course, they tell you not to, but but um, and they were, and I like. I mean, I got used to wearing them. It's just taking them out every night. I, I sometimes forget. Um, next weekend, want to remind everyone that we'll be in Benton, Arkansas, at the Fire Dancer. Yes. At the Fire Dancer. We're going to see the Fire Dancer shop. He's got, <laughs> he has a barbecue supply shop. Um, He's been open for several years. Yeah, a couple he? years. Eric, our buddy Eric Lee. Y'all know him as Fire Dancer. He's done a video with me. Yeah, he did competition chicken. Yeah. Um, His but- way. On, on the, uh, which one was it? It was uh, Jolene. Yeah, on the jambo. Yeah, yeah. on the jambo stick part, stick burner. I need to roll her back out. I ain't fired her up in a while. Here's... She's related. She's just turned into a cat cat throne. <laughs> say, Smokey the cat's gonna be very upset. <laughs> you roll that that bit out. That's Pride Rock. That's where he observes his whole layer. <laughs> Which is the garage. The garage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we'll be in Benton. Keeps the rats out, though. <laughs> we'll be in Benton, Arkansas, uh, April 8th from 12 to 3, 12 to 4. Just hanging out, talking barbecue. Yeah, doing a little meet and greet. Yep. This weekend, we'll be at Hogs for the Calls. If y'all are in New, in Orleans, New Orleans, y'all got to go check out Hogs for the Calls. Or close to New Orleans. We gave out. We um, Blue Plate gave us some passes to... Do a little contest with we had some winners from that, didn't we? Or a winner? Is that yeah, yeah, it was Chris McLean. Shout out to right. or Cody McLean, I believe. That sounds right. Cody McLean. Uh Good. he won two tickets. It was like two hundred dollar value to go to Hogs for the Cause. I think y'all can just purchase one day pass. So if y'all are just looking to go for one day, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of good food to try. We'll be there on Friday. Yeah. I don't know if I'll be there on Saturday. We got some other stuff we gotta do, but definitely gonna be hanging out with the blue plate folks. Look I'm excited about it. 
I'm excited so to try a bunch of mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to try all the food that they cook. What kind of uh, dishes do you think, like, did you go read the rules on the, I know nothing no, about no. the blue plate. But you just contest. want me to rattle you off some recipes that need mayonnaise? Potato <laughs> salad. Coleslaw. <laughs> what do you know. think people are going to turn in? Potato salad. Coleslaw. I'm thinking they're going to use mayonnaise in sauces. Oh, yeah. Like make some kind of creamy sauce and turn in something. Like, I'm, you know. I could see something like that. Like an Alabama white sauce or something. Or, I mean, you yeah. know, you can, yeah. mayonnaise is very versatile. You could creamy up just about anything. <laughs> mac and cheese. Yeah. Mac and cheese. I put it in my mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. But there's some other categories, too. Am I going to get to judge those, or do you know? I do don't know. Do y'all know the details? I, don't know. I know for sure you're judging the mayonnaise. Category. All I know is they said New Orleans, and I said there. <laughs> and they said hot for the cause, been there. I was trying to figure out what year was it. I've, I've cooked it twice. One um, year you got second place. Yeah, one year we got second, and next year we grand championed it. Yeah, we did it under. It was kind of a combined thing. Grand, it, the team name was Charcuterie, <laughs> and um, we uh, forgot about that. It was me and Waylon, you, Danny Montgomery, Mark Lambert, and our uh, buddy that had the team. Yeah, and some chefs. It was fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. You've got the vending element to that uh, contest, which you don't get at a lot of other barbecue contests, but every team has to do something that is given away to the public. Or yeah, basically, or sold to the public. Yeah, you're, you're trying to get tickets to raise money for the pediatric yeah. brain cancer, which is the charity that, that uh, the Hawks for the Cause is all about. And they've raised a ton of money and do a, a tremendous job. The team's help and everything. It's, it's a great thing. And these are chefs, typically. Like the food a lot of them are. Coming hey, there's with. a lot of barbecue cook. James Cruz is heading up a team. He's won it, I don't know how many times in a row. Uh, there's a bunch of good teams cooking down there. Ubon, our buddy Ubon's, they're there every year cooking. But the, the the guys that are coming up with the dishes that are they're being served oh, to yeah. the general public. That stuff's usually chefy. Very good, yeah. Yeah, it's not there's, just go get a pulled pork sandwich yeah. or a rib. No, there's all kinds of stuff. It's sandwiches and, and stuff that you've never thought of or seen. It's really cool. That's what I'm excited about, going and getting some. It's New Orleans. It's a food city. What do you think of New Orleans? Food. Besides, yeah, is that what you Booze think of? Booze and food. Just uh, I really don't know why we Two of the finer <laughs> things in life. I mean, sure, it's got its seedy elements. You know, it's crime. Yeah, it's everything yeah, else yeah. like all big cities do. But I think of food and good times. Yeah. Libations. I've made some reservations while we're down yeah, there. Yeah, you got. Are we going to? You gonna take me somewhere good? I don't know. We're gonna try. Huh. I got a seafood restaurant, a steak restaurant, and a brunch. On some reservations. So. Oh, you can't beat that. A New yeah. Orleans brunch. That's what you do on Sunday in New Orleans. You brunch. Isn't it really like dinner though? Because you've been up all night, and then that's kind of <laughs> like you have it's that more. Go you know, it's more of a. It's a social thing. Yeah, around noon. <laughs> it's like breakfast around noon. You know, dinner yeah. one. Is that like a lot of beignets and stuff like that, or what kind of food? Oh no, it's going to be oh. more like eh, it's a mix. You know, I would yeah. say you're you're going to have crawfish your fried omelets. Fish. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, oh. Benedicts, any kind yeah. of Benedict you can think of. You're going to have salmon. oysters for yeah, smoked salmon. A lot of with uh, the cream cheese, the bagel. A lot of mimosas. Oh yeah. Most places have, or a lot of places have a good like jazz band playing. That's right for a jazz brunch. That's where we're going to a jazz brunch. We're going to a jazz brunch. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait. I love smooth jazz. Do you have a nice hat to wear? Yeah, I do. I'll bring out one of my Colonel specials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so can I wear um, a hat to you gonna let me wear a hat with you? Heck yeah. Brunch? Oh yeah. New Orleans brunch. You're supposed to be a little flamboyant. <laughs> so some of the best uh Dining experiences I've had has been in New Orleans. Like Emerald Chef's, Chef's Table. I, re- I will remember that the rest of my life. If you ever get to go eat at Emerald's Restaurant and get to sit at the Chef's Table in the kitchen, like they have one table over to the side, and it seats about, I don't know, eight to ten people maybe? Yeah, max. Yeah. It's a little crowded. With I think we had ten. It was crowded. It's awesome. It was, it was the best experience. Like you don't life. get a menu. It's just the chef cooks for you that night as they're doing everything else. They'll bring over like, oh, it was it was crazy stuff. It was unbelievable. Multiple multiple courses. One course, the one that, that I remember the most, they dumped 
like a big bowl, seafood, a crawfish bowl on the table. Like brought a pot over, dumped it out on the table. And we're talking a nice dining table, this too. This is our fish course, yeah. Yeah, it was a fish course. And then he brought out fried, like whole redfish and arranged them around the crawfish where it looked like they were jumping up out of the table into the crawfish pile. And it was just incredible. Yeah. I've never had it. And didn't they do fried chicken with it, too? Yeah. So it was like redfish swimming around the crawfish that's all <laughs> spread out on the table. Fried chicken on a cutting board in the middle with and the crawfish with everything in it. The sausage, the potatoes. The, the Man, it was just unbelievable. And you just kind of reached over there and pulled pieces of Whatever you off wanted. the fish. Yeah. And then they cleaned that whole table and served another course. <laughs> And then, and it's like for dessert. I don't even remember dessert. I don't. It was like twelve different desserts, just whatever desserts they had. They were serving. Oh, they yeah. brought all of them and set them on the table. It was. I mean, this went on for four or five hours, and the whole time you're having drinks during it, bottles. I mean, whatever wine you're wanting. I mean, it's. It was incredible. So uh, we're not doing that this time. <laughs> no, I've been there. You know, I've been to that restaurant. I don't know three or four times. It, it is. Never let me down. Which one, Emeralds? Yeah, it's always top notch. Um, so Memphis in May, it's finally that time. It is excited about that too. Yeah, the um official meeting is this weekend. We're gonna be out of town, but Mark's gonna go. It's two. It was like two thirty on Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. We won't be back in time for that. We've written the checks. Man, <laughs> we've booked the hotel. I'll tell you what, Memphis in May is expensive. I have to go take out some kind of. 30-day loan or something on that to pay for it's, all that stuff. It's steep. The rentals was like 10 grand, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it's steep. Mm. That's tents. And, I mean, you, you got to have tents. You got to have floor. You got to have Oh, yeah, you definitely got to have floor in Memphis and May. You never know. It's going to be a mud, mud fest. And they take you for it. Yeah, I keep thinking it's winter, but Memphis and May kind of kicks off summer for us. So yeah. we're, you know. I remember the first Memphis and May I went to with y'all was like, beautiful outside it was like on the river it was like slightly breezy and stuff and and then the following year was just really rainy it was that last year was kind of rainy and we had like the evacuation thing oh yeah <laughs> that was crazy you never know when you're gonna get that but first, last year first it was like miserable hot one day that's right yep and then it rained and we had tornado evacuations yeah. and then <laughs> bad a little bit of everything yeah. that's to be expected you're down you're in memphis and I mean, it's really not summer, it's spring still. So the weather changes, just hang out. You consider it spring? Yeah, I don't consider summer kicking off to Memorial Day. When do you consider summer? When Memphis and May is over, because it's like the next <laughs> week it's Memorial Day. You yeah, know? yeah. And that's usually when the kids get out of school. And that's Memphis and May. I mean, that's, yeah. that's when summer kicks off. Kids are out of school, Memorial Day weekend, pools open. And it's kind of like once we get over that hump of Memphis and May, get over that hill. We're having March go out like a line this week. We got April, and then it's less than six weeks to Memphis and May. Mm -hmm. But next weekend is Easter. It is. It is. We'll be traveling. Yeah, because we're going to Arkansas that Saturday. <laughs> so to fire dancer. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to cook a. I'm not going to have to cook anything for Easter. I did do a ham recipe. It's time to make those Easter dinner plans. It is. It is. So when you think of, when y'all think of Easter, what did what did y'all have? Ham. Easter. That's what we we always had a ham. Maybe that, a pork loin. Or Tyler was that like norm that. for y'all? Yeah, ham. Uh, my dad does turkeys a lot, and then yeah. every single year it has to be uh, deviled eggs. Like, oh yeah, gotta have deviled eggs. You gotta have deviled eggs for Easter. Yeah. That's where the blue plate mayo comes in. <laughs> Can't have a devil day without blue plate. Best mayo on the planet. That's right. Go get you some now. <laughs> so I probably asked y'all this before, but do y'all like traditionally, if you're just making a normal devil egg that's like y'all's devil egg, do you put dill in it? Uh, uh no. Okay. Usually we're sweet relish. Yeah. Sweet relish. Or sweet so, pickles chopped up into relish. So a pickle element goes into yours. Yeah. Okay. But it is sweet. Yeah. Mm. I gotcha. As I think. Definitely traditionally like up north especially and this might not always be the case but i'm pretty sure they just go savory with their deviled eggs so like i grew up and we would have like bacon bits and paprika and that kind of stuff but it's all savory it's like mustard horseradish goes in there 
Like horseradish. Yeah, like horseradish is almost like a main ingredient, and I feel like a lot of people around here don't do it. Uh-uh. No, and you never see that. Super good. I mean, you would down in New Orleans, like if it's Creole-style deviled eggs yeah. or something like that. Yeah. If I was going to have something like that, I would definitely add some horseradish. Or even to do, like, you know how you were talking about doing a, a rare beef Yeah, yeah, style that, that would go with That it. goes on top yep, of yep, a, yep. a deviled egg. I could see putting horseradish there, but... I think it just gives it like a little bite, and since it's only savory, like it just gives it a layer of flavor. So what's the is I, what's the texture? Uh, I mean, I guess it's a little grainy, right? Because it's well, like, you don't have the so you don't have the pickle relish. What is there like celery or no, onion? Or? It's all cream. Just all cream. It's yeah. mayonnaise, horseradish, mustard, uh, some like I said, some paprika, some salt, pepper. That's pretty much it. It's pretty hmm. top it with a jalapeno, bacon bits, anything like on that. On top, too. Yeah. 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 No, I like the I like the texture difference in the egg. Yeah. Like I want the stuffing to be it's almost standalone like a dip almost. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's just egg yolks, mayo, a little spicy mustard, and sweet relish and a little maybe a little onion. That's I, about it. See, I don't typically do the spicy mustard. I'll do a hot sauce, like yeah. a splash of hot sauce cuz you, you got to put a little mustard. You have to put a touch of mustard in your deviled egg to me. Yeah. Just a touch. What if it's yellow mustard? You could. You could. You could use Dijon, whatever you wanted. Yeah. But it needs a touch. It needs a touch of mustard in it. Do you think it needs a touch of sweetness, too? Yeah, that's where the sweet pickle relish comes in. Yeah. I don't add sugar, usually, to deviled eggs. No. But I do a sweet and savory. I do I'll like, use like, like green beans. onions chopped up in it. I do like a little dill, like sprinkled <laughs> over it. I was, I, was, I was thinking the way you make deviled eggs. I was trying to think of what all you do to it. You make better so you do eggs. put dill on top? I, I mean, I have. I like, I like it on there. Yeah. This is when I first moved down here, everybody was doing it. It was like culture shocking. And I was like, what, what is this? This is so weird. Why do y'all put pickles? I think I've come around to it a little bit since, but it's. Have you yeah. ever had them without it? What? Deviled eggs without pickle relish? No. Pickles? I've never had them either. <laughs> That's just an egg. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we have to do a deviled egg contest at the shop. We were you... going to. It got canceled for some reason. Yeah. That is that would have been a good one to do around Easter. That's he- that that'd be tough for the person judging. Yeah. Man, can you imagine having to eat twelve <laughs> deviled eggs? <laughs> you all have to leave cool. immediately <laughs> after. <laughs> yeah. We don't I've had some great, some great deviled eggs. I guess you could cut them in half and do like a then you'd only have to eat technically six, but yeah. Have y'all ever had like a deep fried deviled egg that they, you see on Instagram? I've seen them. Yeah, I've seen that. I haven't. I could get down with that. I think it's like panko crusted egg, and then probably just flash fry. I imagine it wouldn't take very long. And then the filling on the inside, I've seen like buffalo chicken and all kinds of stuff. Sounds really good. So, are they taking a whole egg, battering it and frying it, and then cutting it in half and stuffing it, or is it? stuffed and then somehow coated and fried no i think you hard boil it then you get the yolk out and then you're just panko crusting the whites the half the half yeah Yeah, and then deep and then you come back that's pretty good right there it's just the vessel that's deep fried and i need to do that i'd definitely try that and then using non-traditional stuffings yeah yeah Yeah. i can see that'd be really good what's the best deviled egg you've ever had that's what i was Thinking about asking you. I'm trying to think. Right, I mean, top of my head right now, it's Porch and Parlor's Wagyu deviled egg where they table side. They take thin strips of Wagyu steak and they bring out this hot, like, lava rock. Lay the meat on it right at your table and sprinkle it with a little, what was it, truffled salt? Something, yeah. And they put it across the deviled egg and then put a little bit of roe or something on it. Or caviar. That's a fancy deviled egg. It was really good, too. <laughs> and it, and oh, man, it went so good to get Actually, the salt, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The salt was on the side, and you sprinkled the little truffled smoked salt. Wasn't that what it was? You looking it up? Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know if it's still on the menu. I don't know if I've ever had a deviled egg like at a restaurant before. Oh, really? Yeah. On a lot of the menus I was looking at in New Orleans, a lot of deviled eggs. That's an appetizer. Yeah, a normal appetizer. Well, yeah, they'll do them with a fried oyster, or, or I've had them with fried crawfish tails, or a shrimp. It must be a special because it's not on their typical menu. Yeah. But anyway, sounds good. Uh, tip. So let's talk about ham. What, what do you want to know? <laughs> I'm uh, your ham man. <laughs> so it was great with blue plate mayonnaise. <laughs> so where does a ham come from on the pig? It is the rear hindquarter. 
Oh, that's the ham. It's not, I mean, I, is it the butt? Yeah, technically, I guess. <laughs> it's the butt. It's the haunch. Yeah, it's the it's the rear haunch of a, a hog. And what makes it like the ham, like people serve for Easter, is that it's been smoked and, or it's been cured. Not necessarily smoked all the time, but more than likely if it's a U.S. ham, it's been smoked. So and is so, the deli ham, has it been, I know it's been cured. But, like, is it been smoked, too? Or it depends um, on what deli ham you get? Yeah. Like, if you're talking, like, shade, boiled ham, that probably hasn't yeah. been smoked. You know, that's some processed stuff. But most of the time, like, if you go get, say, some Black Forest ham or something like that from the deli that you have them pull out and slice, a lot of times that's been it's a smoked ham. What makes it Black Forest? I've always seen that, but I don't know. I don't know what they rub that down with to give it. It's almost like a... I don't know. It's like an ash or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is it that little black crust on the outside? I don't know what, what makes it that. I feel like the meat but, itself is always darker, too. Like, on the inside, it seems... It gets like a heavy cure, and they smoke, I'm sure they smoke it. I, I like Black Forest ham. It's good. When I think of that, I, I mean, I'm thinking deli ham, but most of the time when, when we're talking ham, I'm talking about the kind that you would buy and serve at Christmas, at Easter, at holiday, something like that. It's not just something you go to deli and have them slice for you. So, but we start like most supermarkets, they're going to sell. Um, sometimes you'll find whole hams, which is the shank and the butt portion of the ham. And how do you tell the what's the difference between shank and butt? So, the shank, it, just think of the shank portion, it would be from his knee down to his trotter. Okay. That would be the shank. So, it's got that one big bone in it. Yep. Now, the and that's butt has portion. That traditional- yeah, look. When you yeah. look at it, if you if you've seen ham pictures where you can see the slice and the little circle bone that's right, that's the leg like bone. Like the green eggs and ham. Yeah. yeah, and they slice it and it kind of rolls over. Traditional. That's the a shank ham. It's really a half ham shank portion that's been fully smoked and cured, and it's ready to go home. And I guess it would be safe to eat out of the package, really, because it's fully cooked. But most of the time, people put them in the oven, roast them. You're warming it up. You're trying to keep it moist. I've seen people put them in like these roasting bags or big roasters with the lid. Yeah. They'll baste them, glaze them. You know, that's where that old pineapple and cherries and all that come up. That, you know, like like your grandma would serve or you'd see in a magazine. I'm, I think like the Norman Rockwell painting or any of these things where you see. Yeah. I think you know, a 1970s, Easter spread. Yeah, yeah, 1970s yeah. advertisement. I yeah. think, you know, it's, there was one that was like a cookbook that was like a microwave cookbook and it always had it's like better homes and gardens yeah. cooking in the microwave and there's a lady holding this big ham that she was cooked it, in the uh, microwave i guess was it cherries and yeah pineapple? the cherries and pineapple. you know she didn't cook that in a general electric microwave <laughs> you have a recipe where you smoked them on you smoked yeah. on the uh pineapples and cherries it's good I mean, it's, it worked really yeah, well it works too. really good it makes a good glaze on it but then you also have that um shank portion of the ham which is the upper portion that would be the butt of the of a hog. And <laughs> That's people, actual yeah, cheek. My mom prefers that cut. You don't get, um, I mean, there's a lot of meat on both of them. But when you cut the bone out, you end up with a lot more meat around that shank bone. And if you're making a big pot of beans or greens or some kind of vegetable that you want to add ham flavor with, that's what my mom does with it. She says, I get way more meat and that bone gives it more flavor than just that shank bone. I think you get probably, I don't know which one yields more. Um, maybe maybe the, the shank yields a little more. I don't really know. Never, like, measured it out yeah. like when I cut it off the bone. I like the shank because when when you slice it, you're kind of slicing a top half and then a bottom. You flip it over and slice the bottom half, and you get a lot of meat around it, too. So it's really easy to take a shank ham off the bone because there's a seam, natural seam in that ham. And when you follow it and go to the bone, that meat just kind of separates off of it, and then you can slice it up real easy. When they spiralize hams, are they doing both shanks? Yeah, and you, butt? And so you can get both spiral. That's another one in your grocery store. So you're going to see a whole ham. You're going to see half hams, which was going to be a shank or a butt portion, and those, and you're going to see those unsliced. And then you're going to see spiral hams, and they'll be a shank or a butt portion spiral cut. That's usually what we see. And then they've got the processed hams, the little chunks and the little yeah. ones that look like loaves and all that. Have you ever seen those that they have the pop top 
Okay. Like ham. ham. Yeah. It's my dad's favorite. Really? Is, is it like a process? So that's just a bowl. I would call that a bowl in a can ham. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been, they probably pumped no telling how much cure in that stuff. <laughs> Formed it in that loaf and slapped it in that sardine can and you peel it off and. Very similar to spam, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. yeah, that's what I would imagine. Oh, it's not even, I doubt it's even like, yeah, it's got to be glued all together or something. <laughs> yeah. It's just various <laughs> parts of pig that they made this ham loaf out of. But you know, I bet you if you look at those, they're called ham loaf. Probably, not, yeah. Know. I Probably. would avoid those. Product of ham. Yeah, I might need to do a video, a TikTok on those. Well, I don't know. They might ban everybody from TikTok, so maybe I don't. <laughs> This one's called premium ham. Premium hand. Premium canned ham. Ready to eat. Fully cooked. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I think it depends on the size of the can, too, because they have ones that are like kind of bigger. Yeah. And... I promise you it's been processed, Tyler. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but then they have some that are in, and those are usually in the cold <laughs> section, but then you can go to the dry section, and they also have processed ham on that section. That's the yeah. stuff that's got to be like good for your nuclear bunker good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of 30-year shelf life. <laughs> I kind of want to try it just to say I've never canned tried ham? it. Yeah, I've never there tried it. There you go. We'll make you a canned ham and blue plate sandwich. <laughs> That'd be pretty With, like, good. With like craft singles. Does it taste like a hot dog? <laughs> I hadn't. I, honestly, I don't know if I've ever tried it. It's like, it's just really salty ham. That's the only yeah. way I can really. And I, I've never just had like a piece of it, but I've been able to put it like, he'll make it like in fried rice or something like that. That seems Kinda, like a good application yeah. for it. Yeah. Like adding yeah. it to something like that, make it easier. You don't just slice it off and make a sandwich? No, he probably would, though. He would. I wouldn't <laughs> put it past him, but no, I have never done that. Got to be good for your blood pressure. <laughs> um, So you did a smoked ham, uh, Easter smoked yeah. ham recipe this way. And the one you did was not a spiral. We've no, it was a spirals. And, yeah, it was a uh, fully cooked, smoked, uh, shank portion, half ham. That's what I started with. And with those, they're really, you know... Honestly, think they taste a little better than the spiral hams because that. you don't lose near as much moisture in them. They seem to have more fat the, content the there, fat which gave it more flavor. I thought it was really good. That was just a Walmart ham. Yeah, how much it did was, you pay for that? It's a pretty big ham. It was dollar ninety nine. I think it's about so it was probably about twenty bucks, eighteen twenty bucks. Yeah, something like that. It was on sale, dollar ninety nine a pound. Yeah, and you can feed a lot of people. A lot. Oh of people. man, it made three. Uh, Ziploc gallon Ziploc bags full of meat when we cut it all up. I mean, it was a lot. And you kind of left and left me with the job of getting the rest off the bone. And <laughs> there's probably, I probably could have gotten at do least threw <laughs> it away. Oh, man. I probably could have gotten another handful or two of yeah. meat off there if I really would have. Bone's tried. the best part. Use it for something else. You hadn't asked about that bone. <laughs> I didn't think about it. <laughs> I didn't think about it. <laughs> But yeah, I did think it was a lot juicier, a lot tastier. It was good. It was really good. I mean, so the thing with those, they have like a layer of fat on them, and sometimes they'll leave a little bit of the skin on them. So I always score those hams. Kind of helps you with the presentation. But it, what it does is you make score marks on the outside of it, and those score marks open up at, during the after you're kind of reheating or re-smoking it because it's already fully cooked. And then as they do, it lets more flavor in. And you can get like your glaze when you glaze it at the end, it gets all down in all those cracks and crevices, and it just makes it look good. You get some more flavor in it. I like it. It makes little crunchy bits on the outside. Yes, it does. So I do like a diamond pattern, which just, and I usually don't do it pretty easy. Yeah, I just lay it on the side that I know is going to be up, the presentation side. And I just take a knife and go in about maybe a quarter of an inch. Just kind of start cutting slits about three quarters to an inch apart, spread them out all the way across the ham, and then turn it and go the opposite direction. Same thing, and that as those cooks, it makes little square di- or little diamond shapes, and they open up. But I season that one with the, uh, you know, some Dijon mustard, a little barbecue rub, just to give it some you know pretty appearance on the good. outside. That's yeah. it. Kept it simple. But Went you couldn't. It didn't taste like a barbecue. Flavor. No, no, you didn't get that at all. I used. Now, if you used. Like the barbecue rub, which is my rub, is uh, it's kind of has a sweet tone. It's a competition rub, so it's sweet. It's got some saltiness, but it's not overly salty. Some spice, but it's not super spicy. So it's just real well balanced, like competition style rub, mm-hmm. and it works great on ham. It, you know, it gives it a pretty color, but you also get some of that flavor and some of that sweetness that you want that you usually think ham has too. 
And those little crunchy parts were delicious on it. Yeah. They looked really good. Like, while I was watching it, while I was editing this video, I was like, those, I bet, were awesome. So I cooked it on a pellet grill. I cooked it on my grill, a pellet grill. And you could do it on any grill. I usually run it about 275, and you're just trying to warm it up to 140 internal. Usually with a ham that size, it's about three, three and a half hours is all it takes. And I and I used to probe them and stuff, but now I, I know how long it takes. Um, the only thing I'll say a pellet grill works great for it because it's not putting too much smoke out at 275. And you got to think, these hams have already been smoked. So we're like double smoking them. And so if you put it on a stick burner and you're running it and putting the wood to it, you know, really. Or a drum. Yeah, or a drum, something that's real, that's, that really gives it a lot of smoke flavor, you can easily oversmoke one. And you don't want to do that because, I mean, I like my ham to have a smoke flavor, but I don't want it to be like so smoky it's, you know, overpowering the meat. Yeah. And that's why I do it. That's why you often see me do them on um, a pellet grill or either on my old hickory where I can, you know, run it with just coals or something where I'm not having to add too much wood. If I was going to do it on a stick burner, I probably wouldn't run any wood at all. I would just make me a bed of uh, lump coals and keep that rolling. That way I don't add too much smoke. Yeah. You, then you glaze them at the end. So um, what did you use to glaze this time? Do you remember? I mixed up. Um, I used like um, apple cider that I bought at the grocery store, brown sugar and honey. When you say apple cider, you're not talking vinegar. You're talking no, about No, no, like no. Apple si- c- cider. Specific yeah. Si- yeah. Drinking sipping cider. But I used that. You could have used apple juice. I just like. Apple cider is like a spiced apple juice. The you one get the cinnamon I, Yeah, yeah. It has all those elements of it. And so I thought that would go great with the ham. And I used a little bit of brown sugar and a little bit of honey. And it doesn't take much cider. I just kind of splashed it in there until I get the right consistency. I'm trying to get it to where I can brush it on really easy with like a basting brush. So I don't but I don't want it like thin like a mop or something like that. And I don't want it thick like heavy syrup. It's kind of in between there. So when you're stirring it up, just splash the cider in there until you get it to where when you lift up your brush, you can see it kind of dripping off of it. That's perfect. And then I just brush it all on the outside. And I do that after about two, two and a half hours. That last 30 to 30 to 60 minutes of the cook is what I want to get that glaze on there. So it'll it'll have time to sit. It'll have time to kind of caramelize a little bit. But it won't burn because, you know, it's a lot of sugar. So when you yeah. you went too long with that glaze, it will burn on you. It'll get too dark. That's where you got to watch your heat, too. You can kind of be letting the grill taper down a little bit. On a pellet grill, it's not bad. I, I do put it on a um, little full-line pan on a rack. That way, the moisture that drips down, it don't just get all over my grill. It kind of keeps it clean, makes it easier to do. That's just something I do. Makes it easier uh, yeah. to pull well, you that could. ham off without. Makes it easier to move the ham, yeah, because there's going to be a lot of moisture it cooks down, and it's going to catch it. But a lot of times, what I'll do is, whatever glaze has dripped down in that pan, like I'll do, I'll go back and after 15, 20 minutes, brush that back over the ham. Just keep kind of reglazing it as it's sitting there cooking that last part of the cook, and it makes it so pretty. It does. when you bring that thing out and you set it on the cutting board or set it on your table. And then, you know, you need to let it rest 10, 15 minutes before you carve it up. I was going to ask you that. Is that all the rest? Yeah, it, it's all it needs. What if you needed to do a longer rest? Let's say you're driving it an hour away. I mean, I'd cover it up, you know, foil it, drop it down in the cooler and hold it. It's going to be fine. I mean, it's going to be fine. That ham's going to, I mean, I think they cured it, so it's going to last a long time. Yeah, yeah. So even if it drops down, you know, I would say you bring it up to 140 to serve it. You're really, according to food safety, you have like four hours before it needs to either be reheated back to above 140 or it needs to be chilled immediately down to below 40. So you need to get it in some refrigeration or a freezer or something. But or, yeah, but if you dropped it in a dry cooler. Yeah. I wouldn't drop it in a dry cooler and leave it like eight hours and then yeah, serve yeah. it. But, you know, to go drive to grandma's house, that's fine, you know. If you're going to need longer than that, you need to replan when you're going to heat it up. But you could always, you know, throw it back in the oven, bring it back up to temp. It's not going to take too long. And if I, I, I mean, it only eating, takes. I don't eat mine eating ham room temperature. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like super hot. Oh, that's hot. right. Like, when you look at the directions when you buy, say, a hunt, you order a honey baked ham, spend all that money on one. When you get them, it says you can slice it and enjoy it right then. 
it doesn't even have you don't even have to heat it up. Yeah, you know it's ready to go. But better experience is to pop that dude in the oven or on the smoker and heat it up, or you know cook a spiral ham that style. And you have a lot of different glaze recipes, really. Oh yeah, you've done maple. You've you done... can do all kinds of stuff with the glaze. You can go fruity. You can go just like a honey glaze. You can add. I've done one where it was like a bourbon glaze tan. It was really a pecan bourbon glaze. That was on a carving ham. All that is is a boneless ham. It's, How do they get a bonus ham? Just take the top part of a shank or something? Usually um, it's not the whole ham. It's like they cut. So you know how I take the ham and I'll cut the bone and cut the meat off the bone? Yeah. And lay that meat out to slice. It's that meat that they've just smoked like that. So they've went down and cut that top roast off the ham all the way down the leg. So it makes this wider, kind of flatter ham, and then they'll cure it and smoke it, package it up, and then when you get it, it's going to the carving board, and it makes like a – the slice of those is kind of more akin to a brisket slice because it's flatter and wider. Yeah. And so it's not – you have to skew your knife a little bit to get them pretty ham slices. Looks like the state of Virginia yeah. kind of. Yeah, kind of, kind of. <laughs> but like if the ham I cooked gives you the real pretty slices because you get that big – looks like what you think a ham slice should look like. Cover your plate up like slice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the green eggs and ham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, that one, the pecan bourbon pralini yeah. glaze, that was a really good one. It's been a while since I've done that. Mm -hmm. So, But the carving ham is not like a pit ham or a, it's not a process type. Yeah, now when you talk pit hams, that's a different one too. So that's Isn't more that of a, a processed like, one. Yeah. Yeah. It's shaped. They have it's like I wouldn't. I guess you could say football shape kind of. They sell those too, but they're more processed. They've still been smoked and cured, and it's a whole muscle. But I guess what they do is they take it and they cram it down in a jet net to where to hold its shape, and then they smoke it. And then when they sell it, that's why it has those funny looking lines and grooves yeah. and stuff in it. That's how they've done it. Um, a lot of people cook lamb for Easter. Yeah, lamb, lamb's one I, I think of sometimes. We never had it at my house. Yeah. But. Uh, it was 4th of July at my house. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't like roasted lamb. No. A lot of people do like a roast, roasted leg of lamb or a um, rack of lamb for Easter. I did, I'd get behind the rack of lamb. I don't know if it's just me or what, but a lot of times when I try the leg of lamb, it's a little more dry. Like the boneless oh, roast, yeah, leg of yeah. lamb roast. I've cooked them before. I, I'm just not crazy about it. Yeah. Do you guys like gyros? Love, Love them. Love yeah. So that's a, that's a better application for me for yeah. lamb. Yeah. For especially like that leg of lamb style. Because mm. like you said, it's kind of dry by itself. Once you add like tzatziki sauce and stuff like that, it's yeah. a lot better. A lot of times those things have been mixed with like, it'll be lamb and beef, beef or something. And they just like thinly slice it or form it like. And then stack it up on that spit and roast it, so it it does have a little bit tendency to be drier. Yeah, but like a rack of lamb, lamb chops. I want those rare. I'll take that. I like the little bitty, cut up like porterhouse lamb chops. So where does that come from? So you same got, loin, same loin. It's just back further to where it's got the inner loin. Just think of a porterhouse steak. Okay, it's got the strip on one side and the fillet on the other. That's what you're getting. You're getting the loin. The loin, which is the strip, strip loin, and then you're getting the fillet or the inner tenderloin yeah. on the opposite side of that bone, so it makes that little bit tea. So it's like a little baby baby lamb tea. It does look a little yeah. tea bone. But man, you don't have to cook them very long, so you can season them, marinate them, do whatever you do, build you a fire, just open fire. I mean, a Weber grill works great for it, and then throw those dudes on there, and in just a couple of minutes they're ready to flip, and a couple of minutes they're done. And that's some of the best bites off that little T-bone. You need to eat about six or seven of them. <laughs> they are, man, they're good. They're about a three-bite. Yeah, a little piece. It's like two off piece. one side, one off the other. <laughs> but they melt in your mouth. Have you ever had those, Tyler? Nope. That's oh, man, you got though. to have those. Mark used to do one where he would marinate it. He turned it in for an exotic yeah, uh, yep. for one contest. But he'd marinate it and grill it really hot and fast, and it was really good. Like little T-bone nuggets. That's what it is. <laughs> you can find them. They, I mean, kind of expensive at Kroger. Sam's, you can get a pack of them. Mm -hmm. Pretty reasonable. I didn't even know Kroger sold them. Yeah, they do, but they don't sell them like a four pack, and they're like 12 bucks. So it's like, dang, each little bite is $3. <laughs> it's kind of high. You also got the Easter brisket. Yeah. 
A, a lot of people cook a, a brisket mm-hmm. for Easter. That's my. Thing. We never, we never Here. had that at, at our house. Yeah. It was always ham or that was pretty much it. Maybe pork loin. But, we would have yeah. pork loin too. Um, I saw that the butcher shop has Easter brisket. He was calling them Easter brisket yeah. on sale now. Um, they're Wagyu A9s, uh, $9.99 a pound. Wow, really? Yeah. 14 to 18 pounds is average yeah, weight. Yeah, that's he's awesome. Calling him after this podcast. Man. <laughs> <laughs> he, he calls it a non-competition sort. Yeah. Well, you know, they have, so they have different specs for the competition. Those briskets usually are about 15 bucks to pound. But they're wanting even flat, certain thickness yeah. all the way across. The other ones, you know, when you get a case of briskets, you don't know what you're getting. You got to sort through them. So Kevin does a great job of sorting through his briskets, and he'll say, okay, well, maybe these two out of this case will make a competition spec. These other three are fine briskets, just as good a grade and everything. They just might be oddly shaped. That's your Easter brisket. Yeah, okay. Or that's just your cooking brisket. And he can sell those a little bit cheaper because he knows, you know, it's not up to competition standards. So what are competition standards? You want it to be? I mean, you. I want a thick, even flat. Okay. I don't really care about the point in, but I want my flat, you know, to be thick all the way across because there's nothing worse than getting a brisket where it just dives off and it goes, you know, it's super flat or super thin on one side. So it makes your, when you slice it, you're, it's high on one side, tapered off on the other. It doesn't look as good in the box. doesn't cook as even. So it's Sometimes they might have a bigger fat grain that runs through the middle of them or, you know, it's just, there's, there's different things you look for that you, you, you want to get. It's still not guaranteed though, because you're looking through cryovac. It's not like you open it up and really inspect each one. So it's a guess, but a lot of times, I guess Kevin's done it enough where he can kind of tell this one makes a cut. This one needs to be sold as an Easter brisket. So a non-competition pick, you'd cook for feeding family all day. Oh long. yeah, all day yeah. long. Heck, I've cooked some of those non-comps for comps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because you don't know that I mean, they're just, they're just as good. It's just there's a chance you might not want to use it. It might not be up to. Might not be up to some of the best brisket cooks in the country for me. I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Easter sides. I've got an Easter side that I do. It's a brown butter carrot. Those are delicious. And every time I do them, I get asked for the those? questions. It's really easy. I just brown the butter, which you just kind of set your butter, which if you've never browned butter, get you a stick of butter, put it in a pot, put it on your stove, swirl it until it smells nutty and delicious let it cool like and you can do anything with it fancy butter or what kind of butter <sighs> regular butter the fancier the butter doesn't brown as well like great value great value works perfect <laughs> salted or unsalted <laughs> i like salted but yeah. you could do either one it brings it takes away the milk fats is that what it does the brown butter i think when it you cooks off it, the cooks off the water off of cr- it cooks off the water and it yeah. concentrates it does the separate it gives it a nuttiness. It gives it a more savoriness, or more it ri- it intensifies rich. the richness. But then I just throw my carrots in a crock pot with turbinado sugar, a little salt, and that brown butter, and let them cook. And that's it. So you take whole carrots, peel them, and just chop them up. I ain't messing with them little baby carrots. <laughs> well, do you think they taste different? Baby I, ca- I, carrots taste different than the carrots I. I never thought peel about that until you told me. Like, those are carrot rejects, the ones that look like perfect little tubes <laughs> yes. of carrot, and they come in a bag, and you see them on vegetable trays and stuff. Those are shaped carrots, like, <laughs> right? Yes, they've taken reject big carrots and turned them into that, baby carrots. Yeah. But to me, they just don't have the same flavor. I like, the ones, I like the ones where you peel them, and then you cut them up yourself. And mm-hmm. Yeah, they're odd-shaped, but they look really good. Yeah. And then... Uh, I had deviled eggs on the list. <laughs> oh, dressing. What about dressing? We always had dressing for Easter. We did too. And it would be not turkey and dressing. It would be chicken and dressing. Yeah, chicken and dressing. Yeah. With the gravy. That was always, that was a standard. Ma- uh, I guess mashed potatoes maybe? Uh, no, see, I'm not, not a. We would have mashed potatoes. Really? Yeah. For Easter? Yep. Mac and cheese. You got to have the mac and cheese. Done, done deal. <laughs> yep. Usually broccoli salad. Yeah. That's when you bring out the salads. Yeah, because it's springtime, <laughs> yeah. right? Butter beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 one. So I googled uh, what's the difference between butter beans and lima beans. Do you know? No. They're exactly the same thing. <laughs> it's just a name thing. Typically, if you're in the South or in the UK, they're called butter beans. Everywhere else, they're lima beans. Yep. 
Well, my favorite are the baby Fort Hook llamas or whatever is what they're called in Kroger. So they're baby llama beans. They are baby llama <laughs> beans. Have you ever cooked? You've cooked them. Yeah. They are so good. But you got to get the baby, and I don't know what the Fort Hook means, but that's what they say. Something strawberry for dessert. Oh, yeah. Like a strawberry. The trifle thing. Trifling, tr- trifling, trifle. It's almost like a strawberry shortcake. Yeah. <laughs> trifling trifle. <laughs> I don't know how you say it. Is that right? Yeah, it's a trifle. I think. Uh, I've just heard of trifling women. Does that mean they know how to make desserts? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they know how to make the layered desserts and the pretty yeah. dishes. Have you had, I know you've had that, haven't you, Tyler, where they take like angel food cake and then whipped cream and cream, uh, cream cheese and mix that up and layer it and put strawberries and they just keep layering it and layering it and layering it. Nope, don't believe I have. Oh. Really? Mm-mm. Sounds kind of like, I mean, it sounds like if you're using angel food cake, it sounds like it would taste very similar to just like strawberry shortcake it or is. something. It's it just is. layered strawberry shortcake. That's yeah. and a little more delicious. Oh, it's better than strawberry shortcake. I hate those with the little glaze they put on them and stuff, little jelly glaze. That's not good. You can make your own strawberry reduction. Yeah, that's what we usually We usually had carrot cake, too. Yeah. That was always a yep. Easter tradition to have a carrot cake with the cream cheese icing. That's like my the staple in my house. That's what we make. So. Somebody had to have corn. Always had to have corn. Corn on the cob? Corn. Uh, Usually it was just corn. corn. <laughs> <laughs> like corn with butter. <laughs> that was it. Bowl of corn. What about potatoes? Y'all never had just a bowl of corn like as a side? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Have y'all ever had like potato salad for Easter? Yeah, usually. Mm, yeah, but that's a big thing in my house too. Is that baked beans? I'm trying to think. A lot of barbecue stuff for some reason. Yeah, See, we, we do the baked uh, beans, but the we only have potato salad. Yeah, we only have potato salad with like barbecue or Fourth of July or something like that. We never had it with Easter. That was like one of the one dishes my mom would do she's, pretty good on. She's she's bringing fruit salad, and potato salad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the best Easter candy? Oh, I, there's no beating it. The Reese's eggs. Yeah. Peeps. Hands down. Peeps. Are you a peeps man? <laughs> yeah. Nasty old marshmallows. I swear they just keep putting out the same ones from year to year. No, the only thing worse than peeps is when they, somebody would give you those eggs and you'd think it was a chocolate egg, but it had the peep stuff inside the egg. <laughs> Surprise. So it's like some bad chocolate-coated marshmallow stuff. I was like, oh, these are freaking horrible. I just grew up eating them. I and think the it's kind of like candy corn, you know. It's not peeps. a lot of people really like it, but. I think you always got a slave of peeps. Candy corn's pretty good, but. I like, don't eat that for Easter. I saw yeah. a recipe for a peep s'more on TikTok last night, and I was like, I am all for that. Like, it just that sounds with the chocolate. It was with a Reese's egg and and the uh, and a peep. Now you're on to something. Of a graham cracker. <laughs> s'more with the Reese's egg. That sounded delicious. What about the Cadbury eggs? Do y'all like those? I do. I like Never the Cadbury had. eggs. They're they're a little much for me. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a it's a load. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> is it like the stuff with the uh, the chocolate with the filling inside? Yeah, yeah but it's it creeps me out because it has the yellow stuff in it, or it's supposed to emulate like the yolk of the egg. It's yeah. like I don't need to see that. Can you just put peanut butter in it? I'd like to have a Cadbury egg filled with the like Reese's peanut butter. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I used to think that that was the best way to eat Reese's was the egg. Back in the day, you only got them at Easter. Now they do pumpkins and Christmas footballs yeah. and Christmas trees. Yeah. The eggs are the appropriate shape. It's it's Agreed. the best out of the pumpkins or the Christmas trees or whatever. The egg is the best. It's the right shape. You get yeah. the right thickness throughout. It's not too much chocolate all around it. There's no. It's bad. You know you're a fat guy when you think about <laughs> the right consistency <laughs> of a Reese's egg. <laughs> That's not fat guy talk. I don't know what he is. Sweet. Well, the Christmas trees has too many angles and the chocolate pools. And, <laughs> and the pumpkin is just too much peanut butter in it. So the egg is just the appropriate shape. <laughs> Similar conversation, same idea. Did y'all see Mark's post about Oreos last night? <laughs> he had a fat boy post. <laughs> Mark's coming around this double stuff, double Oreo, double Oreo Oreoist or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's the most Oreo Oreo. And he didn't even bring them in. He can't, how are you going to make a post <laughs> like that and not bring that in and let, let the people work try it? <laughs> It looks like, I don't know. 
It's two cookies, and then it's got cream filling. It's got the most cream filling of any Oreo you can actually I'm buy. I'm all aboard that. But it looked like it had sprinkles in the cream filling. It, so yeah, it was yeah. cookies and cream filling. It wasn't just the normal. And uh-huh. I, that's where it kind of lost me because I just love the normal you yeah. know, stuffing. But Call yeah. me weird, but I like the vanilla Oreos the best. Those are yeah, my favorite. Yeah, me too. The Hydrox ones. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the ones that are like white? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever, I They're the best. Maybe off brand, but I don't know if I've ever just had Oreos brand on that. Oh, really? They used to make, they were making them for a while, the vanilla they still have cookie. Them. Yeah. That's my favorite. Oreos have gotten wild here lately. They're all kinds of flavors. and <laughs> They had Swedish fish Oreos one time. Oh, Did you try no. them? Yeah, they were so nasty. So nasty. Ooh. Coffee flavored Oreos are good, though. That was one they yeah. did recently, too. I don't know why they got to mess with a good thing. <laughs> I think all companies are doing it these days. There's like Doritos that are crazy flavors. Yeah. And Pepsi has the Peeps yep. soda now. <laughs> I was going to say that earlier. How do you think that is? I want to try it. Michael said it was gross. Really? I got him one. Yeah. Ooh. I might take his word for it because he has good taste in Mountain Dew. So. <laughs> <laughs> You've been. Uh, Drinking the strawberries and cream Dr. Peppers. I have. They have the zero sugar, and they're, yeah. it's not bad. It tastes like a Fago to me. Kind of <laughs> does, doesn't yeah. Like strawberry Fago? Yeah. It tastes like the uh, Lifesaver cream saver candies to me. Yeah. Like, I don't know if y'all ever had those, but yeah. really good. Have you ever received an animal as part of your Easter basket when you were a kid? Alive? Yeah. Or stuffed? No. Yeah, no. Like a rabbit or a chicken Heck or... No. Heck no, my parents didn't like us having pets <laughs> because it meant they had pets. Yeah, I remember we did buy, and I don't know, there was a lady like down the street from us selling rabbits, and we had asked to get one, and they were like, my mom, of course, my mom was like, no, you don't need no stinking rabbit, you know, I'm not taking care of a rabbit. What are you gonna do with the rabbit? And so me and Wayland snuck down the street. We were kids, and um. We told that lady we want to buy two rabbits, and they were like two bucks. It was dirt cheap for a rabbit. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, rabbit. I mean, rabbit business is lucrative. <laughs> you sell a rabbit to anybody for two dollars. I don't know if people were buying them to eat, buying them as pets, or what. But it was around Easter. The only thing we had to put it in was like an Atari box. So we <laughs> towed it as Atari box down there. Got that lady to throw two rabbits in there, and we took them back to the house. And we was hiding these rabbits at the house, so my mom, and dad wouldn't know. Where were you hiding them at? Your bedroom? Yeah, it's where it started, but then. Somehow they got out. Imagine but we that. didn't, me and, so you just don't go get a rabbit. They're not tame and lovable. No. no we mean. had picked these things up, and them things had clawed us <laughs> from from our neck all the way down our torso oh and all up and down your arms. And this, all they did was kick. That's all these little rabbits would do. And so I would have one, and Wayland would have one. You'd be trying to hold it and wrestle on these little rabbits, and they got loose and got down running down the house. Oh, it was horrible. Those, my mom made us put them back in the Atari box and take them back to that lady. Fun fact, that Atari box is now worth $150. Probably so. <laughs> I just was like thinking about this. Just the later. box? Yeah, just the box. Wow. 150 bucks. Well, it was a rabbit cage for us. <laughs> we didn't have rabbit any rabbit stuff. We had no rabbit tools. We didn't have any rabbit, <laughs> rabbit cages. <laughs> we didn't have anything for rabbit. No rabbit food. Then we had some carrots. We were trying to feed these rabbits. We watched Bugs Bunny all the time. Yeah. You know? I had Not a happening. similar experience. What'd you get? A rabbit. I mean, oh. I've gotten lots of animals, but uh, we got a rabbit one time. They, It was almost a full-grown rabbit, and it was, I don't know where they got it. It was wild as it could be. It just kicked you. They don't make great for pets. A, for a little kid, that's not a good pet to get. Not at all. I just wanted to hold it down. And let, that's all I wanted. I just wanted love to love you. that rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to tear you. <laughs> it was bad. That's how I feel about pigs as pets. Like, every pig that anybody's ever had as a pet, I've never... They've always been super mean. Like, you can't hold them. You can't. Even the teacup They're not. Things. There is no such thing as a teacup pig. <laughs> it's a baby it's a hog. <laughs> <It's a bit. laughs> Do you ever have pet pigs, you? That seems I like mean, something you'd had. Define pet. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to eat it as it gets older, it's not a pet. We don't eat our pets. <laughs> so, no, you never did. No. Y'all had livestock that might have been little, and then you raised it. And ended up at Fourth of July barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> that's a grim life. You <laughs> teach your kids <laughs> raising these animals. <laughs> Here, I got you this. And I think the, it makes you more in tune with how the ro- world really so. works. Yeah. When you raise something and then watch it get slaughtered and then eat it, you didn't feel a little you like see the Clarice. 
Silence of the Lambs. When you don't know any different, yeah, you know. It's normal. Looking back, maybe maybe I understand where the trauma comes from, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. I never ate any of my pets. <laughs> times, times haven't been that bad yet. <laughs> Okay, so moving on. No pets for Michael's. No Easter pets bed. for Easter. That's absolute hard, <laughs> hard line. I'm kind of like your mom, and we're not getting any pets because then I have pets. Yeah. Um. So this week I cooked meatloaf for dinner. It's it good meatloaf too. It fell apart. Didn't have enough bread in it. Yeah. So I researched why would a meatloaf fell apart? Because the times you, you've cooked meatloaf, especially when you do your smoked meatloaf. They're not perfect. They? <laughs> they do. Burn you up? <laughs> Little. <laughs> Little. What's, yeah. the, what's the difference? So. Um, there's a couple reasons your meatloaf might fall apart. You didn't, if you didn't use a leaner beef, like if it was a fat, too mm-hmm. much fatty mm-hmm. beef, which I probably, I just grabbed regular old. 80-20? Yeah. That's all, yeah, that's all we ever used. Um, I only had two eggs for two pounds of meat. I probably could have used an extra egg. Um, I used panko, which isn't as good as the breadcrumbs, and I didn't think I used enough. And um, one of the reasons it might fall apart is because you cook it too high of a temp. I don't think I did that or cooked it too long, and I know I didn't do that. But I think you needed some. Just regular old white bread. Yep. That's what I like to put in my meatloaf or crackers. My dad always put oatmeal or like oats. Like, yeah. But not like the Quaker oats, not like instant. Yeah, That's yeah. What put in there. We didn't have white bread, but we did have oatmeal. That'll and we work. did have some crackers too. That'll work too. Maybe next time. Tastes great. I don't mind loose, loose meatloaf. So I've seen a lot of people on our um, community page. Asking about how to get into barbecue competitions. How to get into it? Yeah. They've, they're cooking at home. Maybe they got a couple of buddies that want to do a contest with them. Yep. I would think, so starting out, I would probably go and at first identify some contests that you're interested in cooking. Go visit them. I always how tell people How do you find that. contests to begin um, with? I mean, you know, some local towns have them. You can go to their local town's website. If, if you know they have one, you can ask your buddies. Um, you know, we've got different sanctioning bodies in the United States. Uh, biggest probably being KCBS. Uh, that's Kansas City Barbecue Society. They have a website with all their events listed. Uh, the next probably MBN, which is the Memphis Barbecue Network. They're mainly in the South now, you know, uh, kind of radiused out from Memphis. So we see a lot of them. We have a lot of them in the state of Mississippi. There's, you know, but there's different, different events in different, different states. Tennessee has some and. I think Arkansas has a few, but they're, they're, they're spread out. Georgia, the GBA. But wherever you're at, find an organization that you don't want to cook that contest and go visit the contest. Typically, uh, they have Because if you just think you're just going to sign up, go to a contest the first time, you're probably gonna, not going to have a great experience. I'm not saying you can't, but it'd be better to do a little research. Figure out who's there, what the event is, what they're cooking. Maybe sign up to go judge. Um, I always like to say take a judging class. And go judge an event first so you can kind of get an idea of what target you're trying to hit. Um, but if you're just doing it for fun, hey, you know, load all the stuff up and pick up truck and go go jump in. But I'm thinking from, like, being successful, what it would take to, to go out and have a good shot. There's classes out there you can take. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I, we learned a lot taking classes. And I still, yeah. if I get a chance to take a barbecue class, I still jump on it because there's always something you can pick up. But, I mean, from – Watching videos, you know, joining different Facebook groups, asking questions. You've got all kinds of resources if you're wanting to get into competition barbecue that people will be glad to offer you some advice. So that's a big that's a big help too. And of course you gotta get a grill. You gotta have some supplies. You gotta, you know, you gotta do some practice. Always practice before you go cook a contest. If you got a bunch of buddies, I bet you you got more drinkers than you do cookers. That's <laughs> how it goes. So you need to get figure out who's going to be the serious cooks and let people know what they're going to be in charge of and make a list. And there's all you know. There's a whole lot of stuff to be done before you just jump in and say you're going to go cook a contest. You can't just jump up and go find one. Yeah, you can. 
You can go join Hogs for the Cause this weekend. They probably <laughs> still let you in. Be glad to take your money. That one's a little more of a <laughs> undertaking. I mean, there's a great one uh, close to us up in Atoka, Tennessee this weekend. There's going to be 65 teams up there. Is it KCS? Uh, no, it's MBN. Okay. But that's a, I mean. With MBN, you can get into a backyard. Do they still do the uh, backyard? I don't know about that one. But Some you, of them do like Springfest. South Haven has a huge backyard contest. And they, um, um so you that's can just a great, go cook ribs. I mean, just starting out, I would start out, I started out in the backyard category. That's where I would start to get, you know, to get your feet wet, see if you like it before you commit to all this other you know, they're not cheap. It is not cheap to go out and cook a contest on a weekend. I hadn't done one in a while, but, I mean, you know, regular average contest, I bet you you at least you're going to be five $600 in now, maybe more, depending on how much meat you have to buy. But the entry fees alone are high dollar now. You know, you're going to spend 300 bucks to get in one, 350 maybe. So that's just a – you didn't even bought anything then. Then you got to get there and you got to buy all the meat and all the supplies and all the seasoning. So you better budget a grand and get you a beer sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you could do a, a just a one con like a rib contest, a rib shootout, or a, a backyard local contest for a couple hundred bucks? Oh yeah, if you can find like a local, that'd be. I mean, that's another great one too. Local contest like Water yeah. Tower. Uh, we have a great one here in Hernando that we've helped out with for the past few years, and they're not expensive contests. Um, you know, if you can find one like that, that's a great one to start out at. Um, and a lot, and a lot of little towns have contests. You know, a lot of you know, you see some churches have contests. There's, you know, different organizations have little small contests. Those are those are all great. Those are fun. That, that's that's when cooking's fun to me. And those can be harder to find too. Because yeah, there there's no like, like a centralized place. Yeah, there's no place you're gonna have to. That's word of mouth. You're probably, you know, someone told you about it or something. If you're just looking for a contest like that, I mean, you're going to have to go on different Facebook groups and post and see if anybody's got some ideas or, you know, there's, I mean, they're out there. Um, SEA is a good one too. It's not a barbecue contest, yeah. but it would. Those are great. That's a great cooking contest to get your feet yeah. wet on learning how a contest rolls. I mean, it's cooking steaks, but they have different ancillary contests and stuff. Sometimes they pair them with the barbecue element. Yeah. But just get out there and get to cooking. That's about yeah. <laughs> practice first. <laughs> That's the number one thing. Practice. You always say to practice a lo- create your timeline, find out what your turn in times is, mm-hmm. create your timeline, and practice along that timeline. Just like you're there, yeah. taking all your stuff out there that you're going to need. Don't run back and forth into the house and stuff because the house ain't going to be there. You've got to bring everything with you that you need. And make notes. I mean, that's that's all important part of it. Yeah, but if you're cooking, if you got to cooked start your fire at 6 a.m you got to start your fire at yeah, 6 yeah. You work practice. that exact timeline i was telling mikey earlier he came in my office telling me he was going to go co- help someone cook at spring fest coming up because we're all out of town he's going to cook ribs and he's going to practice this weekend i said well you got to do it the real way you can't just go out you know cook at the house you've got to drink as much as you think you're going to drink at spring fest you've got <laughs> you to you know take all your stuff out there it can't you know if you're going to do a true practice You've got to try to duplicate what it's going to be like on those contest days. Have a bunch of your buddies stop have by. A bunch, yeah, just have people constantly come by and get you away you. and yeah. just distract you and <laughs> all that stuff that goes with it. That's true practice. That's all I have for today, Mount. <laughs> Is it, well, yeah. Do we have any questions or anything we need to answer, or we just do those? That, that was the I didn't get my shell fact today. Well, I was trying to give you that with the meatloaf. Oh, oh that was the shell's corner. Yeah. What it takes to make your meatloaf stick together, or reasons that your meatloaf might fall, might fall apart. apart. Right. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good uh, tip. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> if you have problems <laughs> with crumbly meatloaf, you <laughs> don't. It, it wasn't useful to you. No, it's very useful. Your meatloaf comes out perfect every time. Not Even every when you time. do the little bitty ones, they come out. I do like mini meatloafs. It's all in the ratio. You gotta get your bread ratio right. How do you know when you put your fingers in the meatloaf, like? Do you know? Can you tell then? Yeah, 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 yeah. You've got to have it. I mean, it's got to be bready enough to where it's almost like a, it doesn't look like ground beef. You know, if your meatloaf still looks like some seasoned up ground beef when you got it mixed up, it don't have the right ratio of bread to it. Yeah. And the egg, you know, so it'll take on a different look. Mine had a different look. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe. Mine still tasted good, right? Yeah, it tasted great. It tasted real good. It just, I need to do you like a, Do you like a meatloaf cooked in a pan? 
Or do you I like don't. it free form? Because see, a lot of times I'll form mine and cook it on a little raised rack to where that grease gets away from it. Because like when I know I didn't notice when I got yours out of the pan and it's got two inches of grease still yep. in the pan. That's telling me it was probably you know real fatty ground beef and it, maybe that's what attributed to it falling apart more. That's a good tip. So you 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 were talking about forming it, putting it on a raised rack, cooking it um, on the raised rack on a sheet pan. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to do. Yeah. Even if I'm cooking it in the oven, most of the time I'm throwing it on the pit, and I do that because it doesn't get as much smoke or as much flavor from the grill inside a loaf pan. But a free-form meatloaf uh, can get smoke all the way around it. You get a little smoke ring, you know, you cook it that way and glaze more of it. Yeah, you can glaze like more it of it. looks better, so. Yeah, because even when you're in a pan, and even if you were to pull it out, all this one big meatloaf, which is what you tried to do, you were like, I'm going to pull this out and slice it for you. I was like, go yeah. for it. You knew you set me up on that. <laughs> I so didn't know. The thing there, like, so if you cook one in a pan, like a loaf pan, like that, I don't like to glaze just the top of it. Yeah, the that's all I sauce. did. I like to take it when you know it's done before you glaze it. Flip that dude out of that pan, and then gla- put it back on a, a pan, you know, raised rack or something. Glaze the outside, stick it back in the oven, so you can glaze it that way. Then it's out of the pan. My mom used to do it in like a bunt pan. She would make these round meatloafs in really? her in her bunt cake pan, and then she would turn them out and then glaze them. And then, of course, the center ring always got like stuffed with mashed potatoes. Really, and served that's it. pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, was, I mean, and my dad makes a better meatloaf than that. So he's, <laughs> a, he's the man. When, we had a lot of meatloaf growing up. <laughs> it's a good poor man's food. Makes meatloaf sandwiches the next day. I mean, yeah. Who's not, you know, y'all not fans of meatloaf? I don't think I've ever just like, I, I don't know how, but I've just never had meatloaf like that, really. Yeah. What do oh you think gosh. about the Bad Out of Hell album? <laughs> <laughs> I liked him too. I liked it so much as one of my favorite artists. <laughs> I like Sloppy Joe's. Is that, I don't know if that's, that's totally different. Now. Yeah. Right. Can't yeah, go man. wrong with Sloppy Joe's. I'm down with Sloppy Joe's too. We're going to have to. We need to do a lunch up at the Sloppy Joe restaurant up, up 51. Yeah. <laughs> you better have some serious Sloppy Joes if you're basing your whole restaurant around yeah. it. <laughs> I've heard it's good. I've not been there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you want to go grab some Sloppy Joes? <laughs> just, you know. He has more, they have more than Sloppy Joes on the menu. That's just, I think that's just kind of the name of the restaurant. I'm sure they do have Sloppy Joe on the menu. But it's not like a hundred different varieties of sloppy Joe, <laughs> which is not a bad idea. You can have the nacho sloppy Joe, the queso Joe, <laughs> the pizza Joe. So you've got a whole business lined up for them, <laughs> and it's all just like loose meat that you add a sauce to yeah. real quick and top. Kind of like Taco Bell's model. <laughs> same same ingredients, different ways. Yeah. So Tyler, what's going on in the community, man? Well, we've ended our giveaway. I do believe we have one on the horizon. It's going to be kind of like a spring cleaning-ish one, but uh, no official dates for that yet. But make sure you guys get there. Go to Facebook.com. Look up the Let's Get to Cooking community page. It's also Facebook.com forward slash H2Q community. Uh, And you can join it, share recipes, ask questions. Your questions may be featured on next week's episode. And if you guys want to check out all of Malcolm's favorite recipes, make sure you download the How to BBQ Right app on the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Chill. Where can they find us? If you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's How to BBQ Right on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and of course YouTube. And that's and you on <laughs> just Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. Are you boycotting? Are you still boycotting Instagram? Can't yeah. find her on there no more. <laughs> like I haven't time. shut it down. But okay. So real quickly, what are you most looking forward to this weekend, Shell? Um, no kids and pets. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, brunch, brunch Sunday in New Orleans. Yeah, oh, that's gonna be great. Steak dinner. I'm thinking some raw oysters. Oh, oysters, oysters. That's what I'm most looking forward to. And some blue plate, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, if y'all are is, for real, if y'all are out in New Orleans this weekend, uh, look us up Friday. Um, we'll probably be around where we see the blue plate stuff. So, yeah, be there hanging out and, um, Let's get out of here, Shell. Time to pack. Yeah, it's time to go. We'll see y'all next time. We gone. <laughs>